Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. We are in a series called Facing the Monsters, and I am uh, excited about today because the monster that we're talking about, last week we talked about fear, and how fear can control us and fear can consume us and keep us from being all God has called us to be, but today I am an expert in this monster, all right? This monster is anger. I am, I can get mad, I can get mad. I'm just being real, I'm just being honest, and I want you to know that I can, I can get angry with the best of them. And we were uh, just talking about the other day in our family, um, we were talking about who has the most anger issues. This was lighthearted, don't get me wrong. We were like, and our kids were talking, my older boys, especially my three older boys, they were like, they were ranking the family, right, of who's got anger issues. I, I'm just being honest, y'all, I'm just letting, I'm opening the curtain, I'm letting you see real, I ain't trying to be fake up here, so don't come in here acting all fake yourself either, all right, you're not going to like it here. Um, they were ranking, and pretty much everybody put me at number one, and I was like, the audacity, the audacity, and so I flipped over a table. Now, um, But they were like ranking me and then, you know, everybody's second, third, and fourth was all in different numbers. And the the older boys especially were kind of like ganging up on me saying, oh, well, you know, of course dad's got these anger issues. And I'm like, hold up a second here. Hold up. Y'all need to reserve your little judgments until y'all have children. Because Bobby wasn't angry until I had kids. Is, Is that amen? Amen. Bobby didn't get angry until I had kids. And kids will, you make this little thing, and then it tries to tell you what to do. I, I can get a, catch a glimpse of God sometimes when I see that. You know, it's like we look at God and try to boss him around, and your kids will do that. And you will find anger, you know, until your kid does something that you do, you know, like that, and you like, turn around. Here's the thing. Anger can get the best of anybody. And anger doesn't always come out in rage, does it? It can often come out in very silent and deadly ways. Anger is a powerful, powerful monster that can control a lot of us. And there's a movie clip I want you to see for just a second that I believe can kind of sum it up. If anger is a monster that really gets the best of you, maybe you can relate to the feeling we'll see here on this video clip right now. Loki's gonna keep this fight focused on us and that's what we need. Without him, these things could run wild. We got Stark up top. He's gonna need us to So, this all seems horrible. I've seen worse. Sorry. No, we could use a little worse. Stark, we got him. Banner? Just like you said. Then tell him to suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I, I don't see how that's a party. Dr. Banner. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry.
All right. How many of you, if nobody's looking at you, nobody sees your hand raised, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you could, you could, you could uh, agree with that statement? You know, sometimes it feels like you're what? You're always angry. And maybe you're not that way. But in the right situation, with the right things that happen to you, anger can become a part of you. And like I said, it's not always in the form of rage like the Hulk. It can be very silent ways. It can be very quiet behind the scenes ways. And it can just be seething there under the surface. And maybe it doesn't even pop up all that much and come out on other people. But at the wrong time, it can come out sort of sideways. It can come out and it can do a lot of damage. And the truth is, is that anger is a monster that is very tricky because we can justify anger, especially when we don't necessarily just outright blow up on people. We can justify it a lot of ways. We can say things like, well, you know, maybe if you coach sports, you're like, well, it makes me a better coach when I get mad and angry, my players listen, and they do what I say. And we say, oh, I can do that. Uh, Maybe you say, well, it makes me a more effective disciplinarian. My kids, when I give them that look, when I give them the voice, you know, they they snap in line. And if so, I need to learn that look and that voice because my kids don't always do that. But anyway, uh, but it's not always a good thing. But we tell a lot of things to ourselves. We tell a lot of lies that say, I can be a good disciplinarian. Or I can use this anger for a good thing if I keep it under control. And maybe you feel like your anger gives you a little bit of power. Maybe there's somebody at work who just gets on your last nerve. Maybe they stab you in the back. And so your anger comes out on them a lot, maybe in passive aggressive ways, maybe in outright ways. And you feel like, well, at least it gives me a little bit of, little bit of one up on them. And I've got them kind of under my thumb and I've got a little bit of control. Maybe you kind of view your anger as an emotional or you're an emotional or spiritual police officer. And you can help other people get in line because your anger, you're in indignant with all these other things and so you stand up and you speak up and you kind of put the cuffs on the bad guys who are out of line but maybe in all reality you're putting the cuffs on yourself you know you're putting the cuffs on yourself maybe your energy is uh increased by your anger at times but chances are people who are put in place to have to interact with you they probably don't feel like it's such a good thing and maybe you don't even realize it Maybe you don't realize how your anger affects other people. Maybe they'll say things like, well, she's a great coach, but she just loses it on us sometimes. And maybe you'll say, oh, he's a a, a great dad, but sometimes he just rages on me. I got to see an eye-opening thing the other night. Uh, My two older boys, Luke and Daniel, had their first basketball games of the season. They had a JV game for Daniel, and he played a little bit on varsity, and Luke had a varsity game. And uh, in the varsity game, there was like a little loose ball situation. A player from our team, a player from their team dove on the fo- floor for the loose ball, got tied up, and there was a jump ball called. Well, you know, that can be an intense situation. Everybody's grabbing for the ball, trying to wrestle it away. And so the guy for the other team, when they jumped up, he pushed our player. And I'm telling you, it was like a cheetah. His mom was behind the scores table keeping the book, and she came out like, like this, like, I don't know what it was. I, I mean, it was crazy. She flew on that court, and I was like, she needs to be playing football because she would be a great free safety. She broke on the ball and was coming hard, and then all of a sudden, you, she realized. You saw it in her face. Everybody was just stunned. You saw it in her face, and she realized where she was. 
What I think she was doing was she was coming to snatch her child off the court. I don't think she was coming to hurt anybody else's court, but she was like, you could see in her eyes, she was like, you better not be fighting on the basketball court. And she came out there. Well, that's not a, just in case, in case you don't know, don't ever charge the court in a basketball game if you are not <laughs> supposed to be a player. Because even a player who's on the bench and comes on is supposed to be a technical. Well, they got it all calmed down. They, they talked for a long time. We got to shoot technical foul shots and all that sort of stuff. But I, I felt horrible for her. Because I've been there and I've done that. I've never stormed the court, you know, but I've done things that I looked at and I'm like, man, I wish I could take that moment back. You ever been there? You ever have one of those times when you wish you could just sort of reel those words back in? But how does that work? Doesn't work too good, does it? We say those things, we do those things, we lose our cool, and it controls us, and then it owns us. And I wanted to go up and talk to her, but I was a little scared of her. <laughs> I wanted to go up and say, hey, look, don't let this destroy you and let it eat you alive. Yeah, you made a mistake, you lost your cool, you probably had good intentions, but that's the thing with anger. No matter where your intentions lie, when we let our anger control us, it does dead, deadly and dangerous things. And if you want to boil down anger to a little bit of a sentence, and I, I, I got this idea of defining it this way from a book by Andy Stanley called Enemies of the Heart. And it's a really good book, and there's some things that I borrowed. Uh, you know, in all honesty, like Tyler said, he borrowed some of his community. I borrowed some of this stuff. I don't often use things, from, but this book was good, and I, I really love what it said. But he defines anger as this. Anger is a result of not getting what we want. Anger is a result of not getting what we want. And when you first hear that definition or that description, you might think, uh, I don't know about that. But let's, let's boil it down for just a second and let's try to look at the surface because a lot of times what we say we think we're angry at is not really why we're angry. How many of you have ever gotten an, uh, a fight with your spouse? Now, I know you don't do that. I know y'all don't do that. But you've gotten in the fight with your spouse and then you go to work and then somebody does something and you lash out at them. Who are you really upset with? That hard-headed dude at the house. You know? Or that stubborn lady at the house. You know, you, you're upset with them, but then you lash out at other people. Or sometimes you lash out at the kids because you're upset about something that happened at work. You know? We don't always blame, but what it is, is anger is a result of not getting what we want. It may be something that you honestly deserve. It may be something that you really should have gotten. It may, you may have every right to it. But the result is the same. Anger comes from not getting something that we want. Think about the last time you got really angry. Couldn't you reduce the situation to the simple idea that somebody owed you? Maybe it was respect. How many times do we get really angry when we get disrespected? You know? Have you ever, you ever gotten upset? Y'all look at me like y'all don't get angry. And either, either y'all need to be up here preaching or y'all lying. But have you ever been out somewhere and like say somebody cuts in line, you've been waiting in this long line and somebody cuts in line and you, you sort of say a little more than you wish you'd have said. You feel justified and yeah, they shouldn't have cut line, but you, you let it control you. You felt like they disrespected you. You felt like they thought they were better than everybody else and they were going to take your spot or somebody else's spot ahead. You missed out on something. They took something from you. You didn't get what you wanted. You, you look at a situation, you think about it, you boil it down. Show, you, show me an angry person and I'll show you somebody who's hurt. 
That's usually what it starts with. You're hurt in some way, whether it be disrespect or it could be really serious things. You took my reputation from me. It's why you're angry. You, you stole my family, and so I'm angry. You took the best years of my life. Took something. You stole my first marriage. You robbed me of my teenage years. You robbed me of my purity. You took my opportunity to even try. Maybe you got passed over for a promotion and they gave it to somebody who didn't deserve it. And you, you took my opportunity to even try to succeed and better myself. You see, the root of anger is the perception that something has been taken from us. That something is owed to us. And so now there's a debt and a debtor relationship that we've got to figure out. And payback seems natural, right? And when you let your anger control you, payback is usually what happens. Revenge is what happens. But can we be honest? Facebook folks, can we be honest? <laughs> Revenge feels good for a moment. But most of the time it sours in your stomach, doesn't it? Revenge can feel really good for a few moments, but pretty quickly it can turn sour and it will start to eat you alive. And it doesn't ever, you don't ever get back what was taken from you in the first place. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, okay, let's think about the times that we had a right to be angry and we went and got revenge. It never, ever satisfies like what was taken from us if we just got it in the first place. And if you ever have gotten even, it doesn't feel good for too long. And so here's the danger of being angry and letting your anger get out of control. If anger becomes lodged down in our hearts, we come to believe that everybody owes us. And so our anger isn't just on the person, the jerk that hurt us and that stole from us or, or, or said the horrible thing about us. Or you fill in the blank with what resonates with you. It's not just directed towards them. Often you don't even get a chance to direct your anger towards them, do you? They might not even be in your life anymore. They might not even be alive anymore. But if you let anger sit down in here in your gut and in your heart. It begins to come out on everybody around you and everybody around you suffers whether you realize it or not. You might not blow up at them, but it affects and clouds your relationships and it keeps a boundary between you and other people and it hurts other people in a powerful way. Our wrath isn't reserved just for the offending party, but it overflows onto everybody. And the closer you are to somebody who's consumed by anger, the more you'll get dumped on too, right? We can all admit that one pretty freely, can't we? When we've been poured out on by somebody's anger that we didn't even deserve. So here's a, a question that might be coming to you. Some of you might be sitting here saying, well, I don't know if this applies to me. I don't know if this applies to me. I don't really have anger issues. But here's a few things you can do. First, you can ask somebody that you're close to. Ask people that you're close to if you have an anger issue. Um, make sure it's not somebody who has anger issues themselves because, you know, that would be the tempting thing is to go to somebody who blows up more than you and they'll be like, oh, no, you're good. I just burned down three houses last week. You're good. You had not done that yet, right? You know, make sure it's somebody who you feel like has good judgment. Then listen on two different levels as you're listening to their response. Listen to what they're saying and then listen to what you're feeling as they talk. Because if they start to give you some honest feedback, chances are anger might well up inside you and you'd be like, how dare you? 
And if they pause, because maybe they're afraid to tell you the honest truth, you need to ask, why? Why are you pausing? Why are you not free in telling me what's going on here? And if they're treading lightly, if you feel angry, or if you feel the need to defend yourself, encounter, argue, then guess what? You might need to dig a little bit deeper. And if you're getting angry at somebody... At somebody you care about for answering a question that you asked, you might struggle with anger. You know, think about that. If you're getting angry because you said, well, I don't really think I've got anger issues. And then you ask somebody, do I have anger issues? And they say something that makes you angry. Hello. <laughs> you might have some anger issues. So ask somebody who you love and respect how you come across. And if you're, if, one of, if you're one of the multitudes of people who suffer with anger issues on some level, you probably got a story to tell. You probably got a compelling story, how you were hurt, how something was taken from you, how somebody mistreated you, how they, they, they spit on you, they, they stabbed you in the back, they twisted the knife, you know, whatever it is. Your story is probably very, very powerful. And almost everybody in here, if you told them your story, they would agree with you. But most of us, we handle our anger origin story in one of two ways. Sometimes we keep it secret and we let those monsters stay in our closet. And then people wonder why we're always angry <laughs> because we just won't tell them what happened. And because if we tell, it might lose its power and we'd have no excuse to be angry because let's be honest, sometimes anger feels a little bit good to us and it feels like at least I have some power and control over something in my life. And then sometimes we tell our anger story, our anger origin story all the time. Sometimes we keep it secret and then sometimes we tell it all the time and neither one is very good. Because if that's what you do is you're always telling about the person who hurt you to everybody who listen, they start, it starts to consume you and then it starts to consume every relationship that you're in. And then people don't want to be around that negativity all the time. And it starts to hurt other relationships because you, you want to be understood, so you tell it. You want some sympathy, so you tell it. You want people to understand inside with you. And from our own perspective, when we're telling our story all the time, our story explains and it, it justifies our behavior. It becomes our crutch. You know, you, wouldn't, you shouldn't respond the way you do. You know that, but rather than do anything about it, you just fall back on your story. You know what happened to me. You know why I'm upset like this. You know the way I was raised. You know the hardships that I faced. You know the rejection and the neglect that I've experienced. You know that I was abandoned at an early age as a kid. Or you know I, I suffered abuse. And all those things are horrible. And everybody knows that they're horrible. But you can't let them define you. And you can't let them control how you treat all your relationships moving forward. And you have every right to be angry, but you can't let it own you. You have every right to be the way you are, but do you really want to stay that way? Here's a question that every angry man or woman or even child needs to consider. How long are you going to allow people who you don't even like, <laughs> people who are no longer in your life, and maybe even people who are not alive, how long are you going to let them control your life? You don't want to be a victim, do you? Then don't give them that power. 
It's time to discard the crutches. It's time to discard the handcuffs. It's time to be free from the prison that you have put yourself in. And the way to take anger's power, that monster of anger, the way to take its power from your life is to destroy that monster. And I believe one of the greatest ways that you can destroy that monster of anger is forgiveness. Forgiveness is a scary thing. We all want it from God, but we seldom want to give it to people who've hurt us. There's three common views or understandings on forgiveness. And the first one is this. I want to, but I can't muster the courage to do it. I want to forgive, but it's just really, really hard. I'm hurt. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what it means if I give up that hurt and that pain and that anger towards that person. Then the second one is this. I don't want to let the offender off the hook. They hurt me and they need to suffer. But nine times out of ten, are they suffering? You are. And then a third way that people look at forgiveness is... I went through the motions of forgiving, but the emotions and the memories continually come back and I just won't let it go. It just consumes me. But let's look at how Jesus dealt with forgiveness. And he tells this story in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, beginning there. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. We've got our scripture on the screen or you can turn and follow along in your Bible. Jesus said, or it says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. You know, Peter's trying to show off. And he's trying to say, look, you know, hey, I'm going to look really spiritual. Should we forgive people seven times when they forgive? And Jesus drops a bomb on him. He says in verse 22, Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77. And some scholars would tell you that that really should be interpreted and translated 70 times seven. He's saying, you don't just forgive once, you don't forgive twice, you don't forgive three times, you don't forgive seven times, you forgive 77, or you, or you forgive 70 times seven. Keep forgiving. At first, when we hear that, if you've been hurt, if you've seriously been hurt, red flags might be going off. And you're like, I, I don't know if I can take this advice, but Jesus, think who's giving this advice. It's Jesus, right? Jesus took all of your sin, my sin, the sin of everybody who's going to be born, the sin who, of everybody who's been born and ever lived. He took all that sin on himself, on the cross, and he paid for that sin that you and I couldn't pay for on the cross. And so if anybody has a right to hold a grudge, it's Jesus. But he doesn't. And so he goes on, he says 70 times 7, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. You see, one talent was about 20 years of a day laborer's wages. One talent. How many did it say? 10,000 talents. 10,000 times 20 is 200,000 years worth of wages for the normal working person. That's a debt that I couldn't even think about touching. That's a debt that we could not even think about touching. It's impossible to pay. I can, can you imagine being that servant who's brought in before the king? And he says, you owe me 200,000 years worth of wages. Be like, oh, you take a check? <laughs> it's going to bounce. 
It's going to bounce, but I'll write you a check. You, we cannot pay that debt, can we? And so this guy is in a horrible situation. And it said to throw his whole family, including him, in prison. Verse 26. At this the servant fell on his knees before him. And he said, be patient with me, he begged. And I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. That is grace. That is mercy. That is overwhelming goodness where he says, look, 200,000 years worth of wages, it's all wiped away. You don't owe it. You don't have to do a payment plan. You don't have to do anything. You are free. Your family's free. You can go. And this is such a beautiful picture of biblical forgiveness. Forgiveness is the decision to cancel the debt. Did he deserve to have his debt canceled? No. Do you deserve to have your debt canceled? Nope. Do I? No. You didn't repay it. He didn't repay it. The debt, was, he didn't say, if you give me a lump sum, I'll just forget the rest. He said, all of it is forgiven. All of it is canceled. The debt is no longer owed because I have said it is done. And Jesus took that debt on the cross. And he goes on in verse 28. It says, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. He said, pay back what you owed me, he demanded. Pay back what you owed me. This is unbelievable because if you think about this for just a second, the first... Uh, amount was talents right this one was what denarii or denarii it was this other sum of money you know what a, a, a denarius was it was a day's wage so this guy owed him about a hundred days wages versus two hundred thousand years worth of wages and here he is pulling you know a, a Debo from Friday you know he's there he's like, he's like I'm gonna get my money you know he's like I'm gonna get this money and he's like you owe me he had just been forgiven his family was in prison and he's set free and they're all set free and he goes out and he begins to strangle this person saying you owe me money a small now it wasn't inconsequential right I mean a hundred days wages I, I want my money too but he's saying no you are Forgiven and free, but then I'm going to hold this debt to you. It's insane, but that is what we often do. Look at verse 29. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. So the guy begged for mercy, just like he had begged for mercy. And that didn't trigger his memory. That didn't trigger his memory in this story that Jesus tells. It says in verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. You know what's important here? To realize a very powerful truth. Our anger only looks good to us. When you're really angry and you're raging on somebody, even if they owe you, you feel empowered for just a moment, but everybody looking at it is mortified. Everybody who watched that mom just lose it for a quick second and run out of the court was just like, oh, wow. And chances are you've been that mom running on the court before. For whatever reason, you fill in the blank. 
It doesn't look good to anybody else. And everybody else realizes how dangerous it looks, how petty it makes us look, and how petty it turns us into, and what kind of person it is. It goes on in verse 32. It says, Then the master called the servant in. He said, You wicked servant. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? Just as I had on you? Now, I do want to point out that this is a story that Jesus is evidently making up to illustrate a point. And so it would be tempting for us to say, well, okay, of course, it's, this is ridiculous, this is absurd, it's exaggeration. But what does our lack of forgiveness look like compared to the great mercy of God? This is not exaggerated at all, is it? Because if you have been forgiven by God from all of your many sins and then you turn and you hold grudges and unforgiveness out against somebody else, it is exactly that story, maybe even worse. Because money is nothing compared to the grace of Jesus and the forgiveness of our sins and the eternal life that we're promised in heaven. But yet we hold on to a grudge and we we sort of want to strangle the people who owe us and have hurt us, whether we do it physically or not. We've got this sense of entitlement and it's time that we let it go you see as absurd as it sounds how many of us sit here today thankful for God's forgiveness and yet we have people that we're so angry and unforgiving towards verse 34 says in anger his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured Until he should pay back all he owed. Is that possible? Nope. Verse 35. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now I know we need to understand grace. And I don't believe Jesus was trying to teach perfection that, you know... You have to get everything right or I'm not going to forgive you and I'm not going to save you. That's not what it is. But where is our heart on this? Let's look at a, a few practical steps to figure out how we can actually forgive. Because most of us came in here knowing that it's not right to hold on to unforgiveness. But it just is what we do. So how do we walk away a little bit different? The first thing you do is this. Identify who you're angry with. For some of you, you got the answer right now. you got a list of the top ten. <laughs> But for some of us, we're walking around angry and we don't even know why. It's something that happened to us maybe years ago. Maybe it even happened a week ago, but we don't know why. But we need to identify who we're angry with. Make a list if you have to. Go back as far as you need to. Maybe, maybe you've buried it so deep down you don't even know what's there. But ask these questions that might help you figure out who this person is or who these people are. Who's the person that you hope you never see again? They probably need to be on a list. Now, this might be a little dark, but who have you planned revenge on? <laughs> you know, if you have a spreadsheet of how to get this revenge, you probably need to address it. <laughs> but who have you planned revenge on if you could get away with it in a perfect world? Who do you secretly hope to see fail in life? You hope their business collapses. You hope their spouse leaves them. I'm just being honest. When we hate people, we can hate them really well, myself included. Who do you want to see hurt 
you know, those broken relationships, wherever they are in your past, they may be tainting the ones that you want to see succeed now. So that's the first thing you do is identify who you're angry with. The second is this, determine what they owe you. Determine what they owe you. There again, you might absolutely know what they owe you. And this, this step is easy to skip. And you can say, oh, it doesn't really matter or I know exactly. But here's the thing. General forgiveness doesn't heal specific hurts. If you just simply say, I forgive this person, if you don't ever say it out loud or at least to yourself out loud in your head, I forgive them for lying about me in seventh grade. That hurt could stay there forever. Now, that's a simple little example I give you, but you understand where I'm going with that. Forgive them specifically for what they did to you. You need to say it and you need to own it and admit that's exactly what it is. They might owe you an apology. They might owe you money. They might owe you time that they stole from you. They might owe you a marriage. They might owe you reputation. They might owe you a promotion. They might owe you your childhood. But you need to name it, what it is that they owe you. Because the truth is that you can't cancel a debt that you haven't identified. And the next step is really difficult. Cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. You may need to act it out. You may need to get a chair and put it here. And you may need to get another chair and put it here facing this. And you sit in this chair and you might need to look at this imaginary person. But you know exactly who it is. And you might need to say, I forgive you for fill in the blank. You might need to physically go through those motions to make yourself let go of this anger and this hatred that's just poisoning you from the inside out. These handcuffs that are on you, this prison cell that you have allowed yourself to be locked in because you've allowed this person who, here's the truth. And this is why you have to be really careful about whether you do this in real life or not. Because this person might not even know what they did. And so you you got to judge the situation. But you might go to them and they don't even know what you did. And you know what that's going to do? That's going to send you what? Deeper down the hole, angrier than ever before. And it's just going to be a cycle that you can never get out of. And so if... If you, know, if you know they don't know and you don't have an opportunity to sit down face to face with this person and they don't and that person's, uh, you know, not repentant, then maybe sit down and even just act it out and say, I release you. You don't deserve it. I, you don't deserve it a bit, but I release you. I cancel the debt. You don't owe me and change one letter. You don't own me anymore. You don't owe me and you don't own me anymore. Let it go. Cancel the debt. And then the next step, the last step of this is dismiss the case. Because I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but I can remember what a jerk said to me in 10th grade. We've got one of the best filing systems in the world when it comes to holding grudges. Better than any smartphone, better than any supercomputer. We store it away right here and right here. And so dismiss the case because it's going to come back. It will come to mind again. It will probably come to mind again in the next minute. But let it go. Cancel it. Dismiss the case. It's hard to forget. But you got to face those feelings and remind yourself, that person doesn't owe me or own me anymore. 
They don't have power over me. Those feelings will come and go, but the decision remains, right? You made the decision. I've canceled this debt. It's gone. You don't owe me anymore. The Apostle Paul tells the church at Ephesus to get rid of anger. He says in chapter 4, verse 31, he says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. That word choice that he used there, as the Holy Spirit inspired him, where he says, get rid of. In the English, it looks pretty simple and pretty, you know, pretty bland. But it gives this idea. You ever been walking along, especially, it seems like September is really bad for this and a little bit in October. You ever been walking along and all of a sudden you walk through a spider web? <laughs> you know that feeling? How do you respond when you walk through the spider web? Do you go like, no, how do you act? Come on bunch of liars y'all know how y'all act you're like and you know you're like you look around and people are looking at you they're like oh no they don't see the spider web they just see crazy all over you you know but that's what it is when you get that spider web in your face I mean you do all you can to get it off you know it gets in your mouth you're pulling at it you're doing all you can that's the word that Paul was using that's the phrase that Paul was using he's saying get rid of this like a spider web in your face get rid of this this rage this anger this bitterness this malice this fighting brawling slander get rid of it like it's a spider web in your mouth get rid of it it's time for us as believers to get rid of this anger and let these monsters be vanquished forever. So here's what you replace these monsters with. Look at verse 32. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You've got to replace this anger and bitterness and rage and malice, all these things with forgiveness. And it's going to have to probably happen every single day. You're going to have to say, nope, dismiss that case. Nope, I already dismissed that case. I canceled that debt. And you're going to have to remind yourself over and over and over. Because forgiveness is the key. It's the key to compassion and kindness. Not just lip service forgiveness, but like Christ forgave us. You know how we talked earlier about sometimes you never tell your story of how you got angry and sometimes you tell it too much? Well, the beauty of it is when you actually do forgive, you can take that story that used to define you and now you can tell it and show how it defines the grace of God over you. It says, this is who I used to be. I used to be bitter because I was hurt. But now I can forgive now I'm free. Now I'm not held there anymore. It's not an excuse, but you can use it as a testimony to God's ability to free you from your past. Your story will no longer explain your behavior. It will stand in stark contrast to it. Say, that's who I used to be because of what was done to me. Now I'm free. Forgiveness is a gift from one undeserving soul to another. Louis Zamperini, his life was featured in a novel in a movie called Unbroken. He was a world-class sprinter, hopefully going to win the gold medal at the Olympics when World War II broke out. He was sent to war and pretty quickly shot down and was held in a POW camp after drifting at sea for 50-some days. 
he was held in a POW camp and went through some of the most horrible torture you could ever imagine. There was one particular officer in the Japanese army, they called him the bird, and he would torture him relentlessly because he was recognized as a, a world-class athlete. He's like, I can make an example of him, I can break him, I can break the entire camp. And Louis, after he got home, after he was liberated, he was still imprisoned. He was owned by alcoholism and anger and hatred and rage, and he almost killed his family at one point. But then he got to know my Jesus. He got to know Jesus, and his life was turned around. And years later, he went back to Japan, and he went around and tried to meet as many of the, the people that worked at that prison camp as possible. And he wanted to look them in the eye and say, I forgive you. You don't owe me anymore. The sad fact is this. The bird wouldn't meet with him. But Louis walked back home that next time free as a bird. <laughs> he wasn't in chain in that prison for years. Even though he was home in the United States, his heart and his mind and his spirit was back in that prison camp in Japan. And ultimately it was chained up with Satan and all of his lies. And so he was owned by that. But then he was set free by forgiveness. And here's the thing, folks. You can say that you don't owe me anymore when you forgive. Because that's what Jesus has done for you. He's saying you don't owe me anymore. When we stay angry and unforgiving... Like we said earlier, the person that we're angry with probably doesn't even know. And it's been said in many ways that unforgiveness and bitterness, it's like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. Doesn't make sense. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die when we hold on to unforgiveness and we don't forgive people. Whether they deserve it or not, that's not even an option. It doesn't matter about that. It doesn't matter because God didn't... He shouldn't have forgiven us. And we don't deserve forgiveness. So we're going to give it freely. And anger and unforgiveness are like a prison. But the person that hurt us isn't usually imprisoned. It's usually who? Us. So forgiveness is the key that unlocks your own cell. Right up here on this side, right about here. And right over here on this side, right in here. There's some small little keys. And if I was a betting man, I bet there are a lot of people who walked in here today. Who walked in with a prison cell that none of us could see, but you know very well is there. Because you've been holding on to unforgiveness. And you've been holding on to pain. Because of what has been done to you. And I want you to hear me. You are probably right. I don't know your individual story. But you probably have every right to be angry. And that person might not even care. They might know and still not care that they hurt you. But you need to be free. And so you need to take the key of forgiveness and you need to unlock your own cell and walk out a free man or a free woman. 
Don't let that person hold you over power over you any longer. Don't let them hold the key and keep you in this prison that you built for them, but you ended up in yourself. Be free today. And so what I want to encourage you to do, it's going to take a lot of courage, but some of you have been letting this eat you and own you for 30 years or for 20 years or 10 years or five years or whatever, or two weeks. I don't care how long it's been. Don't let this prison cell stay locked when you know what the key is. So I want you in the next few moments while we sing, you can come up. If you want to say, I'm going to forgive even though they don't deserve it because I want to be free. And I want you to come. I want you to take a key. And I want you to keep that as a reminder that you are free. And you're not bound by your anger. You're not bound by unforgiveness anymore. You are free in Christ. And that message can be for anybody and everybody that wants to be free. So the question is, who do you need to forgive today? that you wish was in the cell that you created for them but you ended up in that cell yourself today's the day take your key and be free thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast want to learn more about us you can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC